Hey talkers, welcome to Keep Talking Podcast. Keep Talking is the best platform for you to reach an advanced level of English by practicing every day and also connect with a global community. This podcast is a mix of our Instagram lives and IGTV videos, along with other recorded content. Sometimes we just give tips on how to improve your English, and other times we talk about a wide variety of topics, sometimes with special guests. Most of the episodes are in English, some are a mix of English and Spanish, and in a few we only speak Spanish. I hope you enjoy, and remember to follow us on Instagram at keeptalkingco, or check out our website, keeptalking.co, to join our community and learn more about how we can help you. What's up, talkers? In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about six things that I disagree with most doctors on. Seis cosas sobre los cuales yo estoy de desacuerdo, en desacuerdo con la mayoría de los médicos. Okay, uh, I'm hoping this is going to be an interesting topic. I know it will probably sound controversial. And I'll, before we start, I also, I also should probably do like a, uh, a disclaimer, right? Um, basically, a descargo de responsabilidad, right? Saying like, um, you know, this is not actual medical advice. If you're sick, go to your doctor. Eso no es consejo médico de verdad. Si estás enfermo, va a su doctor. Okay. Right. You guys already knew that. Um, now, these are some things that I wanted to talk about. There are honestly probably more than six overall, but these are just the top, the things that came to my mind when I started talking about this topic. The reason I decided to do it is because, as most of you know who follow us, I'm very passionate about fitness, health, nutrition, and there are many things, after working in the medical field for eight or nine years now, that I've started to see that based on my own research and my own lifestyle that I've developed, I disagree with common practices in the medical field, things that doctors and nutritionists uh, talk about that I just simply don't agree with very much. Now, of course, I am not a doctor. Why should you listen to me? Okay, well, as I mentioned, I've been around the medical field. I've worked in the medical field for nine years now as an interpreter and also working with um, donors for bone marrow and stem cell donors uh, for an organization con donantes de médula ósea uh, y de células madre. Uh, I'm also, I like to call myself like an entry-level biohacker. Um, now, the word entry-level, uh, for those of you who haven't heard that term, just means someone who's kind of like new to the field. Básicamente, para un trabajo de, de nivel básico, ¿verdad? No el supervisor, pues como uno de los empleados, digamos. Entry level, right? And so when I say entry level biohacker, what a biohacker is, is someone who tries to optimize their body and their mind using new technology combined with ancient techniques. Basically to create the best version of their body and their mind. And we've had Pipe Ramirez on here, who's a famous Colombian biohacker that some of you know now. That's an example of a biohacker. And I consider myself to be sort of an entry-level biohacker. Pipe is an expert, of course. I am a more of a beginner, but hopefully reaching kind of an intermediate level now with that. I do tons of, well, fitness, nutrition-related things. Um, I, I adopt my lifestyle in ways to try to be healthier. Uh, holistically, o sea, la salud 
holística es muy importante para mí. I've done a lot of experimenting. I've done a ton of different types of diets. I've done everything from being a vegetarian, not a vegan. I was never a vegan, but I was a vegetarian for a while, about four years ago. Right now, I'm on a super high protein diet that does, of course, include a lot of animal foods. Uh, I've done a lot of intermittent fasting and things like that, which is one of the topics that we're going to cover here. I'm, of course, not doing that right now, but I'll explain more about that as well. Um, and also, I just went to the doctor two weeks ago, and I'm a picture of perfect health. I am in great health. All of my labs look good. Everything looks good. So I know that I'm in good health. The things that I'm doing are working. And as a 32-year-old person in the U.S. where we have a lot of health problems, I'm proud to say that I am in very good health. I'm also doing um, a certification. I'm becoming a certified personal trainer, and um, I should have that done within the next month. And I also just follow a tons of content in this space. Um, sigo mucho contenido, muchas personas que son expertos. I already mentioned Pipe, Thaddeus Owen, who is a freaking genius. Es un genio ese tipo. And I'm trying to get him on this show. Peter Atia, Sean Stevenson, Dave Asprey, Thomas DeLauer. I could mention, you know, dozens of names of, of medical experts that I follow who are biohackers. Ben Greenfield, there are tons of them, right? Um, tons of, you know, people who are in this uh, biohacking, nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, health optimization space. And so I, I really feel like I have a lot of information about a lot of these topics now based on my own personal experience and the people that I follow. Now, with all of this in mind, of course, I have great respect for all doctors and nurses and nutritionists and people in the medical field. Um, I just want to go over really there's six things on this list that I have that I feel I in general disagree with most um, doctors, nutritionists, nurses, people that come from the uh, more traditional medical field. So uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope maybe you learned something and let's go ahead and get started. So the first thing that I disagree with is that you need to eat breakfast. This is sort of, it's, well, it's what we were all told, at least in the U.S. when we were growing up, that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Desayuno es la comida más importante del día, ¿sí? Um, my friend and I actually kind of determined that this might be just like an old wives' tale. <laughs> an old wives' tale in English kind of means like un cuento. Well, literally, old wives means like esposas viejitas, digamos, but like... Uh, an old wives' tale is como un cuento de, de, de tiempos pasados, ¿verdad? Que no necesariamente sea verdad hoy en día. Um, and people would always say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It gets you off to a good start, etc., etc. Now, <clears throat> I have nothing against breakfast. If you get a great nutritious breakfast, that's excellent for you. And I actually do now as well. I am not currently doing intermittent fasting. But... I am a big believer that intermittent fasting can be a very useful thing. El ayuno intermitente. And the way most people do intermittent fasting is by skipping breakfast. So you have an eating window where you only eat between, let's say, 12 p.m. and maybe 6 or 7 or 8 p.m. O sea, solamente comes entre el mediodía y las 6, 7, 8 de la, de la tarde. And then you don't eat anything. You can only have water or coffee or tea or things that do not have calories from, say, 8 p.m. 
until 12 p.m. the next day. And that's a 16-hour fasting period, right? Un periodo de ayuno de 16 horas sin calorías. Now, you can do it at different times. It doesn't necessarily have to be those same exact times, but you get the point here. And so usually when people do a type of intermittent fasting, they are skipping breakfast, which goes against the traditional advice of, uh, advice of breakfast being the most important meal of the day. Now, why, what are the benefits? Supposedly, some of them, I mean, I've done intermittent fasting for about two years and have certainly felt some of the benefits, both physically and mentally and emotionally. Um, some of the physical benefits that people always talk about are that you're lowering your insulin levels, which can help with fat burning. You actually increase human growth hormone, um, which some people, and Pipe will say this, he will say that it's better actually to not eat right after you do a, a workout, a lifting workout, because you can increase your, your growth hormone more. Fasting is increasing that growth hormone. Now, this is a very contentious topic. Es un tema muy, pues, hay, hay mucho debate, mucho debate. Y yo, personalmente, yo no sé la mejor respuesta. I don't know the best answer to this about whether or not it's always better to eat or to consume protein, let's say, after you lift weights. Right now, I am. I am eating right after I lift. I'll talk more about this in a minute. But that is one of the benefits of fasting is you're getting an increase in human growth hormone. You also get things like cellular repair, um, removing waste from the cells, some stuff about the genes as well that I don't know much about. But there's also people talk about autophagy, which is essentially the cells. Uh, autophagy just means that the cells are eating themselves, right? So they're sort of regenerating. And what this can do, supposedly, is help get rid of a lot of the cells that are becoming cancerous, right? O sea, puede prevenir ciertos tipos de cáncer, esta autofagia, eh, que supuestamente empieza más o menos después de las 16 horas de ayuno. And supposedly autophagy does start about 16 hours after you've begun fasting. Now, all of these numbers vary a little bit from person to person, I believe. And it's hard to really know, it's hard to measure these things, um, since a lot of them you can't feel. But some of the benefits you can feel. I've felt the digestive benefits of it. You just kind of feel like you're getting a clean slate. Como que estás empezando de nuevo. Y no siempre estás digeriendo comida. It really does feel good to not always be digesting food. Um, I, right now, am actually doing one 24-hour fast per week. I'm not doing a daily intermittent fast, but one 24-hour fast per week. Um, and I really enjoy the benefits of it. So the point is here, I disagree with the idea that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I have nothing against breakfast. Breakfast can be great. Get yourself a nutritious breakfast if you want and if it works for your day and for your schedule. But I do not think that breakfast is always necessary for everybody. Okay, the second one is related to the first one. It's about the 45-minute window, and this is actually more of not necessarily something doctors talk about, but the fitness, uh, weightlifting professionals, nutritionists talk about, um, about how you need to get protein or you need to get something to eat, typically what they would say with a lot of protein and maybe carbohydrates, within 45 minutes of when you do exercise. Otherwise, you might not get as many benefits, right? Now, I... I go back and forth on this. Right now, I am, you, I am always having, after I do my weight training sessions, 
um, a whey protein shake, um, only, protein only, within 45 minutes afterwards, and then I'm eating a meal within one to two hours after that, a full meal. Now, I think that this idea of the 45-minute window was kind of a way for protein shake companies and nutrition bar companies, protein bar companies, to make a lot of money. Siempre decían mucho, tienes que comer proteína dentro de 45 minutos después de hacer tus ejercicios, especialmente después de trabajar los músculos, levantar pesas, así. I just, they always said you had to get that... Uh, that shake in within 45 minutes or that protein bar, whatever. You don't want to lose that. You don't want to waste that workout. But I don't know if I necessarily agree with that based on everything I've studied. In fact, I've actually read in certain places where they say it's better to wait one to two hours afterwards at least because you're still essentially in the sympathetic nervous system. Your body is still in fight or flight. That bit. Pelear o huir, ¿verdad? El sistema nervioso simpatético. That's activated during exercise. And so the body is not in the rest and digest phase, which is the parasympathetic, el sistema nervioso parasimpatético, justo después de hacer ejercicios, que es responsable para la digestión, etc., etc. Descanso y digerir, right? Like we say in English, rest and digest. And some people will say it's better for you to wait an hour or two. That way, essentially, your body calms down and is prepared to digest that food because we don't want to be trying, we never want to be eating in a rushed, nervous state because our body needs to be relaxed when we're eating and getting ready to digest food. So I disagree. Um, even though I am consuming protein within that window right now, I disagree that it's a necessity. I disagree that you absolutely need to get protein or some sort of food within 45 minutes after doing exercise. All right, third one I've got on the list is a big one. Um, medications versus more natural remedies. I disagree, well, I disagree with the amount of medications that doctors prescribe, especially in the U.S., We have a big problem in the United States. Un gran problema en los Estados Unidos. Think about this. So, the United States has all of this money in these prestigious medical schools and these hospitals and the best, you know, the best everything, the best medical system, the best doctors and hospitals in the world, supposedly, right, supuestamente. Why is our obesity rate over like more than 40%, why do we have so many people dying from preventable diseases? Because we're not treating the root of the problem enough. Doctors, unfortunately, are, the medical system is not treating the root of the problem. The root of the problem is a poor lifestyle across the board. People being too sedentary. Un estilo de sedentario, see? People eating a lot of just awful things processed foods, foods that are high in sugar and fat, drinking a bunch of soda, never going outside, sitting inside watching TV. So doctors, instead of treating the root of the problem, usually when you, I can't tell you how many times I've been an interpreter for consults where a patient um, is way overweight and has a lot of health problems, diabetes, high blood pressure, you know, or probably going to end up unfortunately having some heart related issues due to these things and you go to the their consult with their doctor and the doctors sometimes will rarely even talk about making better lifestyle choices they'll just say okay well we're going to adjust your blood pressure medicine we're going to give you a little higher dose of that we're going to give you this new medication for blood pressure as well we're also going to see hmm i wonder if we should 
maybe adjust your insulin. You know, it, they're just throwing new medications at the problem. More medications, new medications. The patient ends up being dependent on like 10 medications and really very little is done to try to improve their lifestyle. And I feel like people aren't even well educated enough about how they can just do some very simple things like going out and walking. Just going outside in general actually can be very useful. Do, you know, two minutes of light exercise every hour during the day. You know, just just march in place, right? Marchar, o sea, cualquier cosita por dos minutos cada hora del día, ¿sí? Um, I just really think that we live in a system where big pharma, as we call it, las compañías grandes farmacéuticas, are just trying to make money off of everything. And really, um, we could go into the whole debate about, you know, COVID and the vaccines. I'm not going to go there right now. I personally am vaccinated. I received the two doses of the Moderna vaccine. Do I think that people should be required to get vaccinated? No. Do I think that kids should even get vaccinated in the first place? Mm, good question. I don't know. It's a very difficult topic. I'm not really sure. Um, COVID is too big of a topic to talk about here. But the point is, I really think that big pharma, as they call it, these big pharmaceutical companies are doing a number on us. When I say doing a number on us, están haciéndonos daño. Um, because they're trying to make profits off of all of these medications and things rather than helping people just make better choices in their lives. People are undereducated and over-medicated. All right, number four I've got on the list is the idea of overtraining. Now, I could get into a debate with some of my friends about this. Overtraining, o sea, entrenar demasiado, right? Now, I actually um, had one of my friends, I've been posting my daily workouts on my personal Instagram. You can check it out at Sean, Sean underscore Tummelson, I think it is on Instagram. Um, whoops, forgot to shut my phone off, it's dinging. Anyway, um, I was having a debate with one of my friends about this idea of overtraining because I personally don't think that overtraining is something most of us have to worry about. You know, the doctors will tell you, oh, well, you've got to... Um, you know, you don't want to exercise too much. You want to make sure you have at least two days of rest or, you know, maybe one day on, one day off, etc., etc. I made a post saying that I don't think any of us are overtraining and we all need to train harder. And one of my buddies was like, hey, hey, Sean, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that, man. I think we can all overtrain a little bit. But here's my thing on this. Now, I don't have any, like, scientific data to back this up, etc., etc. But... Well, I personally have not taken a, taken a day off from exercise in probably several years. I exercise every day, right? And I just went to the doctor a couple weeks ago. Like I said, I'm in great health. My labs are great. I have basically no physical problems that I know of, right? A couple of gastrointestinal issues, like I mentioned, but I don't think that that has to do with how many, um, you know, how, ma how much exercise that I'm doing, right? Now, <laughs> the reason I say I don't think any of us are overtraining when I say any of us, I'm talking about the general population. Think about it. Me and you, whoever you are, if you're listening to this, you're probably a person who works, a, you know, a job where you're either working at a computer a lot, you're sitting a lot. Aside from professional athletes and people with extremely physical jobs, most of us, when we're not doing exercise, we are being sedentary. We are sitting, 
right? As human beings, most of us are sitting for the majority of the time and we are not moving and using our bodies, which is why I think it is almost impossible that we are going to overtrain in the one hour a day that we spend exercising or whatever it may be. Now, there are extreme cases, people who run marathons and stuff who may overtrain, obviously athletes and people that have extremely physical jobs run the risk of overtraining, but I just really think that the idea and some doctors and nutritionists and supposedly experts will say you got to be careful to not overtrain and overdo it on your body. Most of us that are working what we would call, you know, regular jobs in the modern world where we don't actually do that many physical things in our job, I think there is almost no risk of overtraining from physical exercise. So, if you're going to exercise, go hard and do it every day and don't worry about overtraining. That's just my opinion. Next one I've got on the list is sodium. All right, sodium. So most doctors will say avoid excess sodium, excess salt. Now, of course, I don't think it's good to have a ton of salt and a ton of sodium, et cetera, et cetera, right? But I think that it's a bit overblown. O sea, hay demasiado miedo sobre eso. There's actually only two nutritional types of things that I think you should definitely avoid a lot of it all costs and the first one is sugar and the second one is fried foods or like trans fats right i think all of the experts that i've talked to in every field will agree that a lot of sugar and a lot of fried you know trans saturated fat foods are bad now sodium i don't know the jury is still out when i say the jury is still out that literally means like el jurado no ha decidido. It means like I, I am still I'm still not sure. I have not decided. No he decidido. No estoy seguro. Right now, okay. Let's just look at some of the information you'll find out there. Why is sodium bad? According to Live Science, excess sodium increases blood pressure because it holds excess fluid in the body, and that creates an added burden on the heart. Too much sodium will increase your risk of stroke, heart failure, osteoporosis, stomach cancer, and kidney disease and one in three Americans will develop high blood pressure in their lifetime. Now, at the same time, a small amount of sodium is important for good health. It helps to maintain the correct volume of circulating blood and tissue fluids in the body. Um, most people do consume more sodium than they need, however. And the kidneys, of course, are the main regulators of sodium. Um, your body needs sodium for your muscles and nerves to work properly, etc., etc. Now, for someone like me who does a lot of exercise and drinks a lot of water, I rarely worry about sodium because also I, I eat a lot of natural foods. I think that the bigger problem is the sodium that comes in processed foods. Esas comidas procesadas que tienen mucho sodio y ni siquiera sé dónde viene del sodio, ¿verdad? But if you, like in my opinion, I mean, like I just said, all of my labs are good. Everything about me looks good medically, clinically. And I add salt. I do. I add salt. Yo agrego sal a mis comidas uh, a lot because I'm eating natural foods. I add some salt to them for flavor. It's pretty natural. We need some salt. I drink a lot of water. Uh, I, you know, I don't have any problem with this. It is very important to drink uh, a lot of water, but that goes without saying. Toma mucha agua, obviamente. See? Um, 
and like I said, just avoid those highly processed things. You know, when I was a young kid and I was 15 years old eating Hot Pockets <laughs> that you put in the microwave with no idea that they're chocked full of sodium, llenos de sodio, ¿verdad? Pero come comidas naturales, agrega un poco de sal, no creo que hace mucho daño. I really don't think it does much damage if you just add a little salt to your natural foods. And in fact, if you look at it, um, according, you know, the National Institute of Health in the U.S., they have um, estimated average requirements and recommended daily allowances, et cetera, et cetera, for each, um, you know, nutrient. And there isn't one established for sodium because of, quote unquote, inadequate intake response evidence, right? They have like an adequate intake level that's established, but basically they don't have a limit. Como que no, no hay un límite exactamente. O no tienen como un recommended daily allowance. Como pues la cantidad que deberías comer porque no hay suficiente evidencia exactamente. That's for me. I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily good to add salt. Like if you don't like adding salt to things, okay, don't do it. Perfect. Mejor. Probably better if you don't. Um, but I don't have a lot of evidence in my mind that salt is as bad as they say it is. I really just don't think that sodium is as big of a problem. Of course, if you have high blood pressure, some of these conditions that are mentioned, okay, try to avoid your sodium if, or, or you know, have less sodium. If your doctor or someone tells you explicitly you need to have less sodium, less salt in your diet, okay, listen to them. But in general, I just don't think that we should be as scared of sodium as we are, or as scared of salt as we are. Scared of sugar and super fatty fried foods? Yes, I think without question, those are bad for us. Salt, sodium, mm, I don't know. Like I said, just do your exercise and drink a lot of water. Eat natural foods. If you add a little salt, I don't think it's a big problem. The last one I've got on the list, number six, is that you need eight hours of sleep. I don't necessarily think you need eight hours of sleep. Now, of course, for some people, it probably is a good idea. Um, for children, for younger people, I think it's necessary to get more than that. I agree with that. Um, it definitely seems to depend on the person, though. I actually envy what they call the sleepless elite. Tengo envidia de esas élite que no necesitan mucho sueño. I'm talking about people who supposedly can go on only four or five hours of sleep and function well. Now, me personally, I sleep about six and a half hours per night. Um, and I almost always wake up before my alarm. I feel well rested. I usually go to bed between 9 and 10 p.m. and I have very good sleep hygiene, which I'll talk about in a minute, and then I wake up around 4 or 4.30 a.m. So, me duermo a las 9 o 10, me despierto a las 4 o 4 y media. Y varía un poco todos los días, but that's kind of in general. Y no necesito alarma la mayoría del tiempo. Now, I psychologists often talk about how between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. are the most important hours of sleep for our brains. So I think it's important, if you can, to go to bed by 10 o'clock at night. That seems to get you into a deeper sleep earlier. It's also just better for our circadian rhythms to go to bed shortly after it gets dark, right? Mejor para los ritmos circadianos dormir como no mucho tiempo después del atardecer have the room dark and cool, a little bit cold, un poquito frío, like 65 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit, como 18, 19 grados Celsius, centigrados, see? And obviously not sleep with, you know, distractions like your phone ringing and stuff like that. Now, the way I sleep is I sleep on my left side, mi lado izquierdo. They say that's in general the best way to do it is to sleep on your side. 
with a pillow between your knees, con una almohada entre las rodillas, y obviamente una almohada para la cabeza también. Head pillow too, of course. Now, I used to wear a whoop strap, um, which would, was something that would tell me um, basically how my sleep was, and it said that I had a very high sleep efficiency. I was getting a lot of good deep sleep and REM sleep, that rapid eye movement sleep. Now, deep sleep in particular occurs in the earliest parts of the night. It's important for physical recovery. Um, REM sleep is later. It's more related to memory and dreams, etc., etc. But the point is, if you do all of these things well, if you have a good sleep hygiene, if you get to bed pretty early, and honestly, if you do hard exercise every morning and have an active lifestyle during the day, you will knock out. Right? That's what I do at night. Like, yo me noqueo. Like, cuando yo voy a la cama, yo me duermo. Right? And I sleep well for about six and a half hours on average. Sometimes it's a little less. Sometimes it's a little more. Um, it actually tends to be a little bit less in the summer, like right now, just because there is so many daylight hours in Minnesota. And I usually do sleep a little bit more in the winter, maybe like seven hours on average. But I really don't think that that eight hours of sleep is a necessity for people for all people, for adults, right? For children, very important, but for adults, I think a lot of you like me are fine, probably on six and a half hours or whatever it may be. Um, but that's just me and like all of, same thing with all of these tips. These are just my opinions. This is not professional medical advice, but just some things that I have come to believe over the last eight or nine years of um, being involved in a lot of this stuff and studying it, et cetera, et cetera. So, I hope you enjoyed. As always, stay tuned to keep talking. We are coming out with podcast episodes every day on a lot of different topics. And check out our website if you'd like to sign up for a membership where you can talk about all of these interesting topics in English with professors every day. You can improve your English and learn about other cool things at the same time. So stay in touch with us and we will see you soon. Hasta luego, talkers. Thanks for listening, talkers. Remember that Keep Talking is the best platform for you to reach an advanced level of English fluency and connect with a global community. Remember to follow us on Instagram at keeptalkingco and check out our website, keeptalking.co.